Hello and welcome to the Old Time Radio Forever broadcast. I'm your host, Matt Perry. Join us weekly as we explore the golden era of American radio through the dramas, westerns, mysteries, and comedies that shaped the golden age. Be sure to give us a thumbs up or a five-star review on all of the podcast directories that you may use. Hello and welcome to the Old Time Radio Forever podcast. I'm your host, Matt Perry. So excited to be starting a new weekly broadcast bringing you the glory of Old Time Radio. If this is your first experience with Old Time Radio, let me tell you, you are in for a treat. I became obsessed with Old Time Radio in my teenage years. I had bought a satellite radio and I was searching through the dials and I came upon the Old Time Radio channel. I was enraptured from the start listening to old comedies like Fibber McGee and Molly, The Great Gildersleeve, or Miss Brooks, who we will feature tonight. Great suspenseful shows such as Suspense, The Whistler, Hard-Boiled Detectives, Philip Marlowe, Sam Spade, Bulldog Drummond. Radio broadcasts had it all. So, Thank you so much for joining us this evening, and I look forward to being with you every week. Tonight, we are going to have our Christmas special. It's our first episode, and to celebrate the Christmas season, we are going to feature two Christmas episodes of fantastic old-time radio. We start our Christmas program with one of the most popular radio comedies of all time. Premiering on July the 19th, 1948, our Miss Brooks told the tale of Connie Brooks, a high school English teacher from Madison High School, and her weird cast of co-workers and students. It aired on the Columbia Broadcast System and would soon become a television hit as well later in the decade. What made our Miss Brooks so great was not only Eve Arden's fantastic comedic timing, it was her chemistry that she had with would-be boyfriend Philip Boynton, played by movie star Jeff Chandler. Brooks chases Boynton throughout the radio run. Boynton, the science teacher, seems clueless to all of Miss Brooks's uh, feminine wiles. Also in the cast are Gail Gordon as Osgood Conklin, the exasperated principal of Madison High, and Richard Crenna, plays Walter Denton, one of the lugheads that Miss Brooks must teach. In this episode, we have the first Christmas episode of our Miss Brooks's radio run from Christmas Eve, 1948. Here is The Little Christmas Tree. Our Miss Brooks! for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks under the direction of Al Lewis. Well, many of us are spending this Christmas Eve with our families and friends. But Our Miss Brooks, who teaches English at Madison High School, isn't quite so fortunate. No, my family was too far away to visit, and it seems my friends had other plans. But I made up my mind not to brood about it, and I was trimming a rather tiny tree in our living room when Mrs. Davis, my landlady, joined me. That's quite a nice Christmas tree, Connie. It isn't really a Christmas tree, Mrs. Davis. It's called a friendship tree. 
You see, I trim it by putting all my greeting cards on the branches with strips of cellophane tape. Looks nice, doesn't it? Yes, it does. You certainly received some pretty cards this year. And the sentiments are so lovely. Look at this one I got from my principal. Mr. Conklin, what does it say, dear? It's very heartwarming, Mrs. Davis. It says, to Miss Brooks, may the coming year bring you much more efficiency in your work. <laughs> Signed, old Conklin. Oh, I can hardly believe it's Christmas time again. What happy memories I have of the earlier Christmases. There was one I'll never forget. I was just eight years old, and when I tiptoed into the living room, there was my father standing by the tree. The minute he saw me, his eyes crinkled up, and he started to laugh so that his big white beard and his huge paunch just shook with glee. Your father was made up as Santa Claus? No, he always looked that way. <laughs> but do I get back to the present, Connie. I'd love to stay here and celebrate Christmas Eve with you, but I promised my sister Angela I'd come over to her place. You remember Angela, the absent-minded one? Oh, certainly, Mrs. Davis. She always got a big thrill out of the holidays, too, even when we were girls. Of course, the poor dear could never remember when it was actually Christmas. And one Christmas day, she did the funniest thing. What was that, Mrs. Davis? What's what, dear? <laughs> what did Angela do? Angela? Your sister. My sister. <laughs> the absent-minded one. <laughs> Well, I haven't spoken to Angela in some time. What has she been up to? I wish I knew. Maybe I can refresh your memory. Christmas morning, Angela did the funniest thing. Christmas morning isn't until tomorrow, Connie. You must be confused. Don't worry about it. I only get these spells once in a while. Well, you shouldn't let it go, Connie. If you don't mind my offering a little advice, I'd like to suggest that you train your mind to concentrate more. I'll do it, Mrs. Davis. <laughs> now then, I've developed a little scheme which works wonders for me. Supposing you have trouble remembering where you put things around the house. Well, you just keep repeating the location to yourself with a sort of rhythm. For example, I, I just chant to myself, the mustard's in the closet, the bread is in the box. The mustard's in the closet, the bread is in the box. Now, isn't that simple? Mustard's in the closet, bread is in the box. Wonderful, Mrs. Davis. If anybody wants a mustard sandwich, you're really ready. Yes. Now, uh, before I do anything else, I want to invite you to join me tonight. Join you? Yes, dear. I'm going over to... Uh, to, um... Angela's house. Oh, yes, that's right. Oh, she's so cute with that little absent mind of hers. Why, sometimes she forgets what she was talking about right in the middle of a... Oh, dear me, I hope there's enough milk for the cat. Well, I'm sure if we... But then maybe someday. Or if it doesn't seem to. And that's why I can't join you tonight. <laughs> but thanks anyway, Mrs. Davis. I'll just spend a quiet evening at home here. But how about Mr. Boynton? Don't tell me he was too shy to ask you for a date on Christmas Eve. Why do you think there's mistletoe on all four walls? <laughs> no, Mr. Boynton asked me all right, but 
Then he canceled yesterday. Said he's going upstate to visit his folks for a couple of days. But don't worry about me, Mrs. Davis. I'll have a gay time. I'll listen to the radio, read, and from this window, I can see our neighbor's television antenna. <laughs> but what about the little gifts you got for Walter Denton and Mr. and Mrs. Conklin and Harriet? When are you going to deliver them? They told me not to bother. They said we'd exchange on the 26th. The 26th? But I don't think the day after Christmas is the time to exchange gifts. You don't. You should see the department stores. <laughs> What's that, Mrs. Davis? Oh, it's Minerva. Where are you, dear? Minerva. Isn't it the strangest thing how she bites at the pine needles? I guess the rosin in them appeals to her. I swear she likes the taste of it. I guess to her it's like a Tom and Jerry. Or rather a Minnie and a Mickey. <laughs> Come here, Minerva. We might as well get friendly. We're going to spend the evening together. Well, I'll be running along now, dear. I hope you won't feel too lonely. I'll be fine, Mrs. Davis. After all, I do have an imagination. I'll hang up my stocking in a little while. Then when I'm pretending I'm asleep, I'll sneak in and fill it. Before you know it, it'll be midnight. <sighs> midnight of Christmas Eve. I can just picture it. A short, thin man in a black suit comes sliding down the chimney with an empty bag. St. Penniless, the school teacher, Santa Claus. <laughs> well, at least you're not bitter. Uh, now, Connie, about my sister, uh... Angela. Uh, oh, thank you, dear. About my sister, Angela. Yeah? Good night, Dorothy. Good night, Bernice. <laughs> oh, stop drinking those pine needles, Minerva. Come over here. That's a good kitty. Now I'll just settle down in Mrs. Davis's rocker and we'll have ourselves a nice, quiet rock. <laughs> I've got to exercise more. My bones are rusting. <laughs> oh, it's the rocker. <laughs> it's kind of soothing. It's sad. You seem contented enough, Minerva. Yeah. <laughs> it was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. <laughs> Sorry, Minerva. <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm sleepy. <laughs> now, who can that be? Expecting anyone, Minerva? That's funny. Nobody's here. I'm here. Where? Oh, leaning on my knee. What can I do for you? <laughs> I'm a salesman, but I don't believe in giving any sales talk or sob stories. All I do is tell you what I'm selling. If you want to buy, okay. If not, okay. Okay? What are you selling? Well, it's Christmas Eve. I'm just a small urchin, a little on the underprivileged side. I'm trying to make a few dollars to get some wood to heat our tiny apartment. So while she's singing to my three sick sisters, my mother's lips don't turn blue. 
That's what I like, no sob stories. <laughs> if you're selling handkerchiefs, I'll take six. No, ma'am, I'm selling Christmas trees. They're only a dollar a piece. Oh, I've got, I've already got a tree. Then I'll make it 50 cents. But I don't need How about a quarter? Look. Look, little boy. I can arrange payments. <laughs> Please take one, ma'am. These are ordinary trees, you know. They're magic. Magic? Yes, ma'am. You'd be surprised what miracles will happen if you buy one. Well, a quarter isn't too much to pay for a miracle. It's 50 cents. I thought you said 25. That's when you sounded tougher to sell. <laughs> oh. Well, before I melt down to my coal buttons and the stovepipe hat, here's 50 cents. You won't be sorry, ma'am. Here's a little tree. Hey, it's kind of cute at that. Would you like to come in and help me set it up? Oh, I can't. i got to get right home. My sitter's been alone long enough. Sitter? What about your mother and the firewood? That's just a routine. My folks are attending a dinner the other bank presidents are giving for father. <laughs> With the pitch you've got, you'll have your own bank by the time you're 12. Thanks a lot. Good night, lady. Merry Christmas. Same to you, you little underprivileged millionaire. <laughs> I'll put this tree over here. Maybe we can find some extra trimmings for it in the morning. Yeah. Minerva, will you stop gnawing on those pine needles? I wish I knew what made them so appetizing to us. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now, you come here and let those things alone. There we are. Well, I guess I'm not the only one that's spending Christmas Eve alone without family or friends. But who can tell? Maybe Santa Claus has something up his big red sleeve that I don't even know about yet. Of course, I do have a squeaky rocker and Minerva. Jingle bells, jingle bells, and merry stuff like that. Oh, what fun it is to rock with a big fat drunken cat. <laughs> living room Christmas Eve with Minerva the cat on my lap, I couldn't help noticing that the tree which I'd bought from that wealthy urchin had a rather peculiar luminosity. Although there wasn't any artificial illumination, it seemed to glow from deep down in its branches. As I rocked back and forth, I started to get very drowsy. Oh, the little boy said this tree was magic, Minerva. I don't believe it either. Still, it is Christmas Eve, and some very strange things have happened on Christmas Eve. Huh? What's that? Oh. oh. I must have been dozing. Coming! Well, it's Walter Denton. Come in, Walter. Come on into the living room, Walter. Thanks, Miss Brooks. Here, I brought you this little gift to put under your tree. Oh, that was very thoughtful, Walter. Put it under this tree over here. Okay. Say, you got two trees, haven't you? Yes, one for Minerva and one for me. Yeah. What? Don't pay any attention to her. She's pine needle happy. <laughs> well, Miss Brooks... As you know, I was supposed to spend the evening nestled snugly in the tight little confines 
of my own small, immediate family circle. For heaven's sakes, come out of there. You're giving me claustrophobia. <laughs> but I went to my father and mother and crowed their permission. Wait a minute, Walter. You crowed their permission? Yeah. Crave, craven, crove, isn't it? Of course not. Crave, crave. Let's see. Crave, craven. After you crowed their permission, what? my presence for a long enough while for me to deliver to you, Miss Brooks, the little token of my esteem and affection, which is now ensconcing under the tree. Walter, are you still in my English class? Sure, Miss Brooks. Well, I'd better bone up a little. One of us is going to flunk this term. Well, what I'd like to say, Miss Brooks, is something that I've wanted to say for a long time. Yes, Walter? It's a little on the sentimental side, perhaps, for a so-called... Kep High School boy to be telling the teacher, but it's sincere, Miss Brooks. I'm sure it is. It's something I feel deep down inside of me, Miss Brooks, from whence so many of one's warmer emotions stem. That's whence they stem from, all right. <laughs> of course, even if it does seem over-sentimental or even downright sticky, Christmas Eve seems to be the time you can say things like this and not sound over-sentimental or sticky. Christmas Eve is the time to say them. I just hope I hear them by New Year's Eve. What I want you to know, Miss Brooks, is that I'm grateful. For what? For my association with you during the past semester at Madison High School. Well, thank you, Walter. I've tried to be a capable teacher. Oh, your teaching was nothing. <laughs> I don't mean galactically. As a teacher, you were very adequate. I mean personally. The interest you took in me and my problems. For that, I could never thank you if I lived to be a hundred. Of course, you'd be gone a long time by then. I don't know, Al, to you, too. You don't know what it's meant to me to have your ear whenever I needed it. It was nothing, really. I have another one. Especially about girls. Gosh, remember how silly I used to act about girls? Every time one of them looked at me, I giggled like a kid. And then, overnight, I matured. I met the one woman who mattered. Harriet Conklin. I don't know what, but something. And you saw me through the difficult transition period of that amour as well. While Harriet and I were adjusting to one another. It was wonderful to be able to come to you for advice, Miss Brooks. It isn't every boy who has such an interest taken in him by some intelligent, elderly person. Give me back my ear. I can't hear you. Not that you're ancient or anything. Gosh, I've seen girls who don't look as good as you do. Girls? What do you think I am? Yeah. Shut up, Minerva. Miss Brooks, I see you got lots of mistletoe on the walls. Were you expecting Mr. Boynton tonight? Yes, Walter, I was. We were going for a wheelchair ride together. <laughs> but he had to visit his folks upstate. His folks? Gosh, they must be well along in years. His father's over 50. They may shoot him next spring. <laughs> Look, Walter, while you're here, you might as well pick up the little gift I got for you. Oh, but you shouldn't have, Miss Brooks. Where is it? 
Climb up a tree on your right. It isn't much, just a remembrance. Oh, gee, I almost forgot. I can't open it yet. Well, why not? Oh, you mean you want to put it under your tree at home and open it with your family? Well, not exactly, but... Well, I'll get it later, Miss Brooks. There they are now. I'll answer it. There who are now? Come on in, folks. She was all alone when I got here. But it's really a surprise, isn't it? We should have stayed home Christmas Eve. Besides, it's freezing out. Now, Osgood, don't be so grouchy. Hello, Miss Brooks. Merry Christmas. Why, it's Mr. and Mrs. Conklin and Harriet. How are you all? I'm cold. <laughs> well, that's too bad. Come here, Minerva. Rub up against Mr. Conklin. Meow! What's that? What's that? Go away, cat. She seems to like you, Osgood. Or or is she hungry, Miss Brooks? She's not that hungry. <laughs> I don't like cats. Why doesn't she go chase a mouse or something? You forget, Mr. Conklin. This is Christmas Eve. There isn't one staring. <laughs> Yes, Walter? There's a lot of mistletoe around this room. I know. It's real pretty. Osgood, notice all the mistletoe in this room? What? Oh, that green stuff. Oh, no, it makes me sneeze. Oh, come on, Osgood. Let's see if it does. Oh, now, Martha, don't embarrass me. I don't like that. It doesn't make you sneeze, does it, Harriet? I'm willing to find out. Here's a nice wreath of it on this wall. Yeah. Well, here we are. <laughs> yes, here we are. <laughs> May I mention, Mrs. Conklin? If it's all right with Harriet, it's all right with us. Oh, come on, Walter. We're getting old. Oh, gosh, you're sweet, Harriet. Isn't that cute, Osgood? Oh, come here, dear. How about one for your faithful old wife? Well, it is customary, I guess. There. I'm under the stuff. <laughs> now, Parker, up to you. Very well, very well. Now, as you see, I, I told you. I, ah! <laughs> now, let's stop this romantic dribble and act like adult human beings. Miss Brooks, I'd like to take advantage of this visit to inquire as to your plans for the coming year's classwork. Do you have your schedule all laid out? Frankly, Mr. Conklin, I haven't had much chance to work on anything. You haven't had much of a chance, but you've been away from school all week. Your vacation started last Monday. I know, Mr. Conklin, and that's what I took the week as. I mean, a vacation is something you go on when you get the opportunity to. You don't work on it or during it, unless, even though I didn't actually go anywhere, when my vacation came along, I went on it, or was on one, usually. And you wanted to be the head of the English department. Please, Osgood, this is no time to talk of school affairs. We're here to spend part of our holiday with Miss Brooks. It was very nice of you to think about me, Mrs. Conklin. It was nice of all of you. I want to... Where are Walter and Harriet? Denton, get my daughter away from that mistletoe at once. Hey, Mr. Conklin, Harriet isn't allergic to mistletoe. No, but I'm allergic to you. <laughs> Harriet's almost irresistible sometimes. Especially alongside older women like Mrs. Conklin and Miss Brooks. <laughs> Sounds like the bell. I'll get it. Why, Mr. Boynton, come in. Oh, 
thanks, Miss Brooks. But I thought you were going upstate to see your folks. I was, but they sent me a wire that they wanted to come here for about a week or so. They'll arrive in the morning, so I thought I'd drop this little gift off for you tonight. Oh, but you shouldn't have. Where is it? <laughs> Let's just put it under the tree in the living room. Look who's here, everybody. Well, it's Mr. Boynton. Hi there, Mr. V. This is nice. Hello, Boynton. Pretty cold out, isn't it? This is beginning to get more like Christmas Eve every minute. Sit down, Mr. Boynton. I'm certainly glad your folks decided to visit you instead of vice versa. Well, so am I. There's a particularly good reason why I'm glad. There is? Yes. It gives me a chance to see how my guinea pigs are affected by this cold snap. <laughs> they haven't reacted at all. What do you expect them to do? Blow on their paws? Look. <laughs> Have you pointed out the mistletoe to Mr. Boynton? Oh, why don't you stop that nonsense, Martha? It isn't nonsense. Mr. Boynton, look at the mistletoe. Mistletoe? Oh, oh, yes. A very interesting example of the flora found in various areas throughout the globe. <laughs> An evergreen parasitic shrub, it is indigenous to the regions where apple trees and oaks abound. Now that the lecture is over, may we ask questions? Certainly, Miss Brooks. Want to stand under it? Stand under it? Well, you see, because of certain characteristics in its makeup, an allergy is sometimes aggravated by its presence. I'll take a chance if you will. Come on, Mr. Boynton. Yeah, come on, Mr. Boynton. Just bring him over to this wall here. Well, I'll get under it if you like. Well, don't just stand there. Can't you see Miss Brooks is cooking? Well, don't fuss for me. I couldn't eat a thing. the mistletoe signifies? Well, I know what it signifies to most people, but, but to me, it's just... Uh... Well, there goes 85 cents worth of mistletoe. I know what let's do. Let's open up the presents right now. Wow. Splendid suggestion, Walter. Uh, shouldn't we wait until just before we leave? Might be less embarrassing that way. Well, if you want to open them now... Sally, this one tree's pretty crowded. I'll put some of these packages under this little one over here. Hey, look out, Walter. You're bumping into one of the branches. Look out! <laughs> Gosh, I got the funniest feeling when I touched that branch. What kind of a feeling, Walter? Well, you... You're Harriet Conklin, aren't you? Well, sure, I'm Harriet Conklin. Walter, what's the matter with you? Nothing. Nothing's the matter with me. It's just that I want to tell you something. Harriet, you've got to change. You want to try to be more like Miss Brooks. Well, what do you mean, Walter? If you want me to stay interested in you, you've got to be more alluring, youthful, glamorous, feminine in that real feline Brooks way. <laughs> Walter, have you been drinking pine needles, too? Look at that tree. It, it seems to be glowing. What do you mean, glowing? It's just a reflection from the streetlights. This party's giving me the memes. <laughs> Holidays, indeed. Here, I'll just move the tree where it won't glisten in our eyes. Here we go. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas! <laughs> of course I'm Mr. Conklin. Happy! 
happy-go-lucky, fun-loving, gag-a-minute Osgood. Gag-a-minute Osgood? Sometimes I've wanted to. Brooke, you suddenly look so different, so intelligent. Miss Brooke? I have made up my mind. You are now head of the Madison High English Department. Ha! You fun-loving Oscar. Uh, I'm going to put this wonderful tree where it belongs, right in the center of the room. Give me a hand, Boynton. Yes, sir, Mr. Conklin. I'll just take this end here and... <laughs> Miss Brooks? Yes, Mr. Boynton? Come here, baby. <laughs> Come here, Connie. You did not. said, come here, baby, and I'm here. Look, he's taking her over to the mistletoe. Isn't it wonderful? What are you going to do, Mr. Boynton? Just call me Phil, Connie. And this is what I'm going to do. you going to ask me why I didn't go upstate, Miss Brooks? I know why, Mr. Boynton. Your folks are coming down to see you. How did you know that? I just got the telegram. Uh, don't let's get too carried away with the holidays. We've got to prepare for a hard school season ahead, Miss Brooks. Oh, let's not talk about school affairs now, Osgood. Walter, look at the mistletoe. Yeah, look at it. Now, just a minute. Before we go through all that again... Would you please touch the tree, Mr. Boynton? The one on the left with the... Why, it's gone. There's only one tree. Miss Brooks, are you all right? Of course I'm all right. Could I have dreamt that part, too? Mr. Boynton, would you do me a favor, please? Well, of course, Miss Brooks. What is it? Would you touch the Christmas tree? Touch it? Please, I... it's important. Well, all right. There. Nothing happened. What did you expect would happen? A miracle. Excuse me, I'll be right back. I want to learn should I'm selling magic Christmas trees. But you just came Please here. Please buy one, lady. You only cost 50 cents apiece. 50 cents? That's right. Here's $2. Give me four of them. That was The Littlest Christmas Tree from Our Miss Brooks Christmas Eve, 1948. 
As you can hopefully tell, Eve Arden was a gifted radio comedian, and she turned that radio prowess into television success later in the decade. Next up, we have another one of the legends of old-time radio comedy. It is Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. The Great Gildersleeve, starring Harold Perry, premiered as a spin-off of the successful Fibber McGee and Molly radio show in 1941. Gildersleeve would continue throughout the decade on radio and would even have a few movie and television adaptations in the 40s and 50s. In this episode, we see Gildy dealing with a lack of Christmas spirit. So, from December the 14th, 1949, Harold Perry stars as The Great Gildersleeve. The Kraft Foods Company, makers of Kraft Quality Foods, presents Harold Perry as The Great Gildersleeve. The Great Gildersleeve is brought to you by the Kraft Foods Company, makers of the famous cheese food, Velveeta. Everybody goes for Velveeta's rich yet mild cheddar cheese flavor in snacks, in sandwiches, and in hot dishes. And Velveeta, you know, helps supply important food values from milk and is as digestible as milk itself. That's why smart homemakers keep Velveeta on hand regularly to spread or slice and to melt for grand economical hot dishes. Tomorrow... Get Velveeta, the cheese food of craft quality. Well, it's a crisp, cold night in Summerfield. Here and there, a lighted Christmas tree glows warmly in a window. Holly wreaths have begun to appear. The ground is white with new snow, and it's still falling. Big fat flakes that cling to the porches and the trees, and to the brim of the great Gildersleeve's hat as he hurries down his front steps. Makes a cautious turn as he reaches the sidewalk, and then strides gaily up the street toward Catherine Milford's house. Deck the halls with boughs of holly, fa la 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 la. Tis the season to be jolly, fa-la-la-la-la. What? Wait for me! Leroy, I wouldn't run so fast, these sidewalks are slippery. Sure, I can slide even. Look here. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. (laughs) This is one time those big feet come in handy. (laughs) Better than skis, Leroy. Where are you going, Unc? Well, I thought I'd be dropping in at Miss Milford's for a while this evening. Can I walk with you? I'm going to Piggy's house. They're putting up their tree tonight. We're going to decorate it. Well, good. Uh, Don't stand on the furniture. You going to help Miss Milford decorate her tree? Well, you can never tell, Leroy. We may string a few cranberries, drape the icicles around. What if Dr. Olson is there? Leroy, don't you worry about Dr. Olson. I'm not. But you said he was a pain in the neck. You said he was always hanging around her house when you wanted to be there. Well, you weren't supposed to have heard that, but it used to be that way. How is it now? (laughs) Suffice it to say, my boy, that your old uncle has a situation very well under control. The fact is, 
I haven't seen Dr. Clarence Q. Olson in over three weeks. Gee, then you're winning, aren't you, Hunk? You bet I'm winning. Golly, you gotta be smart to be the doctor, too. You said it. Gee, you're my uncle. Yeah. Well, here's Piggy's house. See you later, Uncle. Yeah, see you later, Leroy. Yes, sir, there's a mighty fine boy. Well, Throckmorton. Uh, hello, Catherine. Come on in. My, it's snowing out, isn't it? Well, just a little. Look at you. You have a big snowflake right in the end of your nose. I do? Well... Cold nose, warm heart. <laughs> <laughs> Let me take your coat. Uh, thank you. Well, beautiful tree, Catherine. And Christmas presents. All those for me? No, but you can help me finish wrapping them. Fine. A lot of presents. Well, Mother and I have a lot of relatives. Oh, sure. Then I couldn't forget those darling children down at the hospital. Oh? There are five of them that Santa Claus may not remember. Well, good for you, Catherine. Be ashamed if any little kitties were forgotten on Christmas. Mm. Here, put your finger on this ribbon while I tie the knot, huh? Mm. <sighs> kind of cold. I'll try it. <laughs> yeah. Well, interesting paper you're using, Catherine. Mistletoe design. <laughs> Just put the package over there. Uh, well, I think I'll balance it right on top of your head. Throckmorton. And you know what that means, mistletoe. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you rushing the season a little? Well, I don't know. Only nine more shopping days left. You'd better put the package down there by the tree. Oh, shucks. Say, here's a fancy-looking package. I think that's Mother's gift to me. Oh, uh, your mother couldn't wait, eh? Let me shake this. Then I guess what's in it. Now, Throckmorton. Oop. Card fell off. Oh, dear. Well, isn't that just like your mother? To the dearest girl in the world, Clarence. Clarence! <laughs> Throckmorton, give me the package. That one isn't from Mother. Oh, I guess not. Dr. Clarence Olson, the intern, eh? I thought he'd given up. Clarence has been on night duty at the hospital. Mm -hmm. I can hardly wait to open his present. He always thinks of the most original things. Well, I haven't brought you my present yet. I'm liable to think of something pretty original, too. Oh? Give me a hint. Hint? Well? At the hospital, Clarence keeps teasing me about what's in this package. Oh, he does, does he? Uh -huh. All he'll tell me is that it starts with a K for Catherine. Isn't that clever? Well, I guess there's a fine line between being clever and being corny. <laughs> now, Throckmorton, he's very ingenious. In fact, the uh, mistletoe paper was his idea. It was? Well, might have been his idea, but I was the first one who thought of holding it over your head. <laughs> I think. <laughs> Bertie. Hmm. Wish I knew what that fellow Olson is giving Catherine for Christmas. I'll have to go on one better. Good morning, Anki. Hi, Anki. Good morning, children. Gruel. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Marjorie, what Christmas presents can you think of that starts with the letter K? K? Well, who's the present for, Unc? A little kid we know, spelled K-I-D? Hardly, Roy. I was thinking about something for a young lady. Oh, you mean me. 
<laughs> well, we'll get around to you children later. There's a present under Miss Milford's tree, and it starts with a K. I'm trying to think what it is. Forgot what you gave her, Hunk. I haven't done my shopping yet, Leroy. This was from somebody else. Oh-ho. What do you mean, oh-ho? Oh, it's Miss Milford's present from Dr. Olson, isn't it? Well, yes. Well, if it's from the doc, why do you want to know what it is, Hunk? Well, I don't want to give her the same present, Leroy. I'd like to give her something a little better. Well, if it starts with a K, maybe it's a Kodak, Unky. Kodak? No, it's a pretty big package. I know, Unk. It's a kangaroo. Okay. <laughs> I doubt that, Leroy. Dr. Olson, isn't that ingenious? Canary? I don't think it's alive, Leroy. As I recall, canary doesn't start with a K. Like some hot coffee, Mr. Gillsleeve? Thank you, Bertie. It could be knickknacks. No, sir, this is coffee. What? Bertie, we're trying to think of some gift a woman would like, starting with K. Oh? Any ideas, Bertie? I'm getting them from everybody. And some pretty bad ones. Well, if it's for a woman, maybe it's something for the kitchen. Kitchen. Well, I can't think of anything for the kitchen that starts with a K. Except Kraft cheese. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Maybe it's kisses, Mr. Gillsleeve. Kisses? The candy type. You know, candy kisses wrapped in paper. <laughs> oh, my goodness. A kitchen hillbilly. I thought of giving her something starting with K for Catherine. I could give her something starting with G for Gildersleeve. Nah, that's not the same idea. Let's see. K, K, carrot. He could be giving her a diamond. He wouldn't dare. Kittle drums. Kilts. Uh, he wouldn't give her those. She'd look cute in kilts, though. Well, good morning, Gildy. Well, the Honorable Judge Hooker. Good morning, Horace. You were walking along with a faraway look in your eye. Were you dreaming of a white Christmas? <laughs> oh, goat, I'm trying to get an idea about a Christmas present for Miss Milford, Horace. Oh? Have you tried looking in the stores? No, thanks for the idea. Not at all. But if you're going to do any shopping, Gildy, you better get busy or there won't be anything left. Don't you worry, Judge. You'll get your necktie. Yeah, I'm afraid so. But I didn't mean that, Gildy. It just seems that everybody I know has been Christmas shopping. I bumped into Floyd, Chief Gates, your current amour, Miss Milford. Oh? And yesterday I even ran into your arch rival, Dr. Olson. Olson? Where did you run into him, Horace? Why, Hogan Brothers, but why are you so excited, Gildy? Ah, uh, now we're getting someplace. What department was he in? Well, as I recall, he was in the gift shoppy. Oh? Do you remember who waited on Olson? What did the sales girl look like? Sales girl? Well, uh, dark, wavy hair, parted in the middle, black mustache. Black... <laughs> black mustache? Oh, no, 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 I'm thinking of the floor walker. Uh, well, think a little harder, Judge. What did the sales girl look like? I've got to talk to her. Well, as I recall, she was rather tall. Oh? Or was she short? That's it, a short brunette. Good. Or was she a blonde? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Judge, come along with me and point her out. Gladly, Gildy. She was pretty, as I recall. Or was she? Yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Look at all those shoppers. Stay right behind me, Judge. Don't you worry about me, Gildy. If I start losing ground, I'll grab you by the coattails. Oh, pardon me, miss. Madam. Oop. Are you Excuse me, coming through. Yeah, here's the gift shop. Now, where's the sales girl, Horace? There she is at the end of the counter. Oh? Are you being helped? Uh, not yet, miss. I'd like a little information. Yes, sir? Uh, Dr. Clarence Olson, a friend of mine, was in your department yesterday and bought something. As I recall, he was carrying a little black bag, and he placed it on your counter here. I seem to remember that. Yes, he's a tall young man with blonde, wavy hair. Oh, you mean the tall, handsome, blonde man. Well, I wouldn't go so far as to say he's handsome. That sounds like Dr. Olson to me. Please, Horace. Miss, do you remember what he bought? Well, he looked at several things. He did. We're on the right track, Judge. Now I'll find out what he got for Catherine. I showed him a diamond necklace like this. The diamond necklace? My. But he didn't buy it. Good. Then he looked at these watches. Hmm. Platinum. But he didn't buy one. <laughs> Young lady, what did he buy? Well, he just bought something for $5. Only $5, cheapskate. I'll buy Catherine something more expensive than that. My, nothing like the true Christmas spirit. All right, Judge. Young lady, what did Dr. Olson buy? He went down to the next counter and bought a pair of suspenders. Suspenders? That's easy, Gildy. Now you can buy Catherine a nice pipe. <laughs> Is there something I can show you? You can show me the way out. The Great Gildersleeve will be right back. Well, Christmas comes but once a year. So who cares if holiday preparations keep you mothers so busy you can't fuss with the old three squares? You can do very well without fussing. For instance, take lunch. You can serve jiffy, quick, and easy pan-fried sandwiches of Kraft's famous cheese food, Velveeta. They're delicious, with Velveeta's grand, rich, yet mild cheddar cheese flavor. And they're nourishing, too, because Velveeta is rich in important food values from milk. It helps supply protein for strong muscles, minerals that help build sound teeth and bones, vitamins needed for normal growth. Yes, Velveeta helps supply many important food values your family should have. To make these wholesome sandwiches, all you do is melt some butter or parquet margarine in a skillet. Then fry the sandwiches till the bread is golden brown on both sides and the Velveeta melting. Easy, aren't they? And so good, you'll serve wholesome pan-fried Velveeta sandwiches often, whether you're in a hurry or not. So keep your refrigerator stocked with a two-pound loaf of Velveeta. Just be sure you get genuine Velveeta when you buy. It's the cheese food of top quality, made only by Kraft. There's a fancy Christmas package under the tree at Catherine Milford's house from Gildersleeve's rival, Dr. Olson. What's in it? That's what the water commissioner would like to know. Well, whatever it is, I'll get her something better. He may have the edge on me at the hospital, but by George, I'll beat him under the Christmas tree. I'll go all out. Hello, Peavy. Hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. <laughs> what can I do for you this afternoon? Well, I'm looking for a Christmas present, Peavy, for a lady. Something extra special. A gift for Miss Milford, is it? You bet. Mm -hmm. 
That sneaky Dr. Olson's bought her something that looks pretty nice. And I'm going to go him one better. I'm going to get her something so beautiful and so clever, it'll make him look silly. I'm uh... <laughs> Any suggestions, Peavy? Well, uh, what does she like? Has she dropped any hints? No. Lately, all she talks about is those little kids she takes care of at the hospital. There must be something clever and original I could get for her, Peavy. Well, how about a year's subscription to Reader's Digest? <laughs> year's subscription? Or how about a nice set of scales? Women like to weigh themselves, you know. Peavy, she can weigh herself at the hospital. Does she uh, like sweetmeats? Sweetmeats? We have some very attractive boxes of candied prunes. Uh. Quite helpful, too. No, Peavy. How about some musical bath salts? No. Ballpoint pen? No. Mr. Gallifrey, you're rather hard to please. Oh. <laughs> Peavy, I've got to get something different, something original. Now, you've had plenty of experience at this Christmas thing. Mm, that's true. You've been buying Christmas presents for Mrs. Peavy for 20 years. Yes, I have. Well, certainly, after all that time, a man should know what it takes to please a woman. Well, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can see you're going to be of no help at all, Peavy. I'm going back downtown. That's a good idea. Happy shopping, Mr. Gildersleeve. Happy shopping, Neil. <laughs> oh, brother, what a mob in this store. Why does everybody wait till the last minute to buy their Christmas presents? Watch it, madam. <laughs> Wonder if Catherine would like an alligator bag. No, I don't think she likes alligators. I don't either. <sighs> have to look around some more. Excuse me. Pardon me. Ow! That's my foot, lady. Going up, going up, please. Where's everybody rushing to? Huh? The elevator. Hey, I don't want to get on this elevator. Oh, watch it. Well, I'm in whether I want to be or not. Second floor, phonographs, radios, toys. Out on two, please. Uh, thank you. Might get her a radio. No, everybody has a radio. Have to be more original than that. I'm going to beat that slick intern. Wish I had chairs around here. My feet hurt. Might just as well sit on this little red wagon a minute. Uh, well, cute toys up here. Is that you, Mr. Gilsley? Well, hello, Bertie. What are you doing up here in toys? Oh, I got a lot of little nieces and nephews I have to buy for. Oh, yeah. They don't have much, and when I show up on Christmas with my arms full of toys, they think I'm some pumpkin. Yeah, I bet they do, Bertie. Say, what if I showed up with an armful of toys for those kiddies at the hospital? The ones Mrs. Milford is, Miss Milford is so fond of. Them children would think you were some pumpkins, too, Mr. Gillsleeve. Yeah, I guess they would. What's more, I'd be some pumpkins with Miss Milford, too. Yes, sir. You bet. There's nothing I could do that would impress her more. By George, this is a great idea we had, Bertie. Clerk! Clerk! I want to buy some toys. Whoop. What was that? That's the wagon you just bought. <laughs> okay, I'll buy it. And half the toy department, too. Clerk, <laughs> what an idea. Yeah. Dr. Olson can never top this. Walk in on Catherine, pass out these toys to her little kitties, and tell her this is my Christmas present to her. What can she say except that I'm the greatest guy in the world? The kids will get a kick out of it, too. <laughs> in turn, turn in your suit. Hey, this must be...
be the ward. I see some children there. Well, hello, little children. Hello. Hello. Uh, where is uh, Miss Milford? She'll be back. She wants to get our orange juice. Oh, well, I'll just put these packages down here and wait. Are you Santa Claus? Me? No, he's not Santa Claus. He hasn't got a white beard. But he's nice and fat. <laughs> yeah, but he's not Santa Claus. Santa Claus never comes around here. Uh, now, wait a minute, young fellow. I'm uh, sort of a Santa Claus. I brought all these presents to you children. For us? Honest and truly? Oh, boy! You see, Stuffy, he is Santa Claus. <laughs> oh, boy, I gotta come over and see them. Stuffy's lucky. He's in a wheelchair. Oh, well, I'll bring the presents around to your little beds when Miss Milford comes. I want to open mine. Now, wait a minute, Stuffy. You shouldn't open presents until Christmas. I don't want to open mine until Christmas. I just want to dream about what's in them. Uh, that's the idea, little girl. While we're waiting for Miss Milford, will you read us a Christmas story? A uh, Christmas story? That's what she was doing. Yeah, they're in that book. Oh, well, I like stories. I used to read them to my niece and nephew. Let's see what we've got here. Why the Chimes Rang by Raymond McDonald Alden. I like that one. I don't know it. Well, I've been in the hospital longer than you have. Uh, yes. Well, let's read it, huh? We don't have much time. Once upon a time, in a faraway country, there was a wonderful church. It stood on a high hill in the midst of a great city. And every Sunday, as well as on sacred days like Christmas, thousands of people climbed the hill to its great archways, looking like lines of ants, all moving in the same direction. I don't know why ants in a hospital. Stop interrupting, Stuffy. Yeah, must listen, Stuffy. <laughs> now, all the people knew that at the top of the tower was a chime of Christmas bells. They had hung there ever since the church had been built, and they were the most beautiful bells in the world. Some described them as sounding like angels far up in the sky. Others as sounding like strange winds singing through the trees. But for many years, they had never been heard. Why didn't the bells ring? Well, we're coming to that, I guess. It was said that people had been growing less careful of their gifts for the Christ child, that no offering was brought which was fine enough to deserve the music of the chimes. Hmm. Every Christmas Eve, people still crowded to the altar, each one trying to bring some gift better than any other. Why did they do that? Well, for personal reasons, I guess. They were trying to make a big impression. Oh. Mm-hmm. Now, where were we? Oh, yes. Now, a number of miles from the city, in a little country village, lived a boy named Pedro and his little brother. They had heard of the service in the church on Christmas Eve and planned to go see the beautiful celebration. Nobody can guess, little brother, Pedro would say, all the fine things there are to see and hear. And I'd even heard it said that the Christ child sometimes comes down to bless the service. What if we should see him? The day before Christmas, Pedro and little brother were able to slip away quietly. And although the walking was hard in the frosty air, before nightfall they had trudged so far, hand in hand, that they saw the lights of the big city just ahead of them. They were about to enter one of the great gates in the wall that surrounded it, and they saw something dark on the snow near their path. And they stepped aside to look at it. What was it? Well, let's see. There by the path was a poor woman who had fallen in the snow, too sick and tired to get in where she might have found shelter. Oh. Pedro knelt down beside her. You will have to go on alone, little brother, he said. Alone, cried little brother. 
that you'll not see the Christmas festival. No, said Peter, and he could not keep back a bit of a choking sound in his throat. See this poor woman? Her face looks like the Madonna in the chapel window, and she'll freeze to death if nobody cares for her. But I can't bear to leave you and go on alone, said little brother. Both of us need not miss the service, said Pedro, and it had better be I than you. You can easily find your way to the church, and you must see and hear everything twice, little brother, once for you and once for me. And oh, if you get a chance, little brother, to slip up to the altar without getting in anybody's way, take this little silver piece of mine and lay it down for my offering when no one is looking. In this way, he hurried little brother off to the city and winked hard to keep back the tears as he heard the crunching footsteps sounding farther and farther away in the twilight. The great church was wonderful that night. When the organ played and the thousands of people sang, the walls shook with the sound, and little Pedro, way outside the city wall, felt the earth tremble around him. At the close of the service came the procession for the offerings to be laid on the altar. Rich men and great men marched proudly up to lay down their gifts to the Christ child. Some brought wonderful jewels. Some brought baskets of gold. But the chimes did not ring. And last of all came the king of the country, hoping with all the rest to win for himself the chime of the Christmas bells. There went a great murmur through the church as the people saw the king take from his head the royal crown, all set with precious stones, and lay it gleaming on the altar as his offering to the Holy Child. Surely, everyone said, we shall hear the bells now, for nothing like this has ever happened before. But still, only the cold old wind was heard in the tower, and the people shook their heads, and some of them said, as they had said before, that they never really believed the story of the chimes and doubted if they ever rang at all. Suddenly, everyone looked at the old minister, who was standing by the altar, holding up his hand for silence. Not a sound could be heard from anyone in the church. But as all the people strained their ears to listen, there came softly but distinctly, swinging through the air, the sound of the chimes in the tower. So far away and yet so clear the music seemed, so much sweeter were the notes than anything that had been heard before, rising and falling away up there in the sky, that the people in the church sat for a moment as still as though something held each of them by the shoulders. And they all stood up together and stared straight at the altar to see what great gift had awakened the long, silent bells. But all that the nearest of them saw was the childish figure of little brother, who had crept softly down the aisle when no one was looking and had laid Pedro's little piece of silver on the altar. That's a wonderful story. Why did the bells ring when the little brother laid the piece of silver on the altar? Well, then... Uh, Why didn't they ring when the great men brought jewels and things? Well, like the book said, each one was trying to bring some gift better than any other. Those men were trying to outdo each other. While little Pedro gave out of the goodness of his heart. He didn't have an ulterior motive. What's an ulterior motive? Well, I guess that's what I had when I came here. That's Miss Milford coming. It is? Yeah. Well, I uh, guess I'll be going. Aren't you going to wait and see our nurse? Where are you going, mister? Well, I am. 
think I'll sneak out the side door. But how do you know who brought the presents? Well, that's not important anymore. Merry Christmas. Thanks. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Oh, tiptoe down the back stairs. Five o'clock. I didn't know the hospital had chimes. Gildersleeve is played by Harold Perry. The show was written by Paul West, John Elliott, and Andy White, with music by Jack Meekin. In addition to our regular cast, you heard Ann Whitfield and Stuffy Singer as the children in the hospital. The Great Gildersleeve is brought to you each week by the Kraft Foods Company, makers of the famous cheese food Velveeta, and the complete line of Kraft quality food products. Here's a suggestion for Christmas time or any time. Begin now to save for a happier future with the regular purchase of United States savings bonds. Automatic purchase plans that make saving painless are available to you either where you work or where you bank. Ask about them. $3 invested now will get you 4 when the bonds mature. Or you can cash your bonds any time after 60 days and get back every cent you put in plus accrued interest. Be happy tomorrow because you were wise today. Buy United States savings bonds regularly. Good night, folks. See you next week. Break the Bank, radio's biggest money-paying show, is next on NBC. That was The Christmas Spirit from December the 14th, 1949, The Great Gildersleeve. I hope you enjoyed this first episode of the Old Time Radio Forever podcast. It was a pleasure to bring you some early Christmas spirit. Be sure to check us out on all of your podcast directories. And if you need to get a hold of the Old Time Radio Forever podcast, just email us at oldtimeradioforever at gmail.com. So until next week, good night, everybody. <laughs>